Welcome to the Deep Practice Podcast, where we will share tips, stories, and strategies that help bring power into your discipleship process. I'm your host, Becky Shabilsky, and my co-host, Father Dave Nuss, is here joining me again. Hi, Becky. I'm glad that we're back continuing the conversation. Yeah, it's a wonderful conversation. I've really been enjoying it. And I hope our listeners have also been finding um, themselves able to engage in the reality that we need some new ways to uh, help people learn some really important topics, some skills uh, in the life that we're living as followers of Christ. New ways that are so very important and they're pressed upon us right now, pressed upon us in terms of it being so different for all of us. Not a one of us is unaffected. You know, recently I've been, I've been working my way back through the New Testament book, the Acts of the Apostles and finding myself connecting with the first Christians in a way that I, I don't recall connecting before. (laughs) Like I was always inspired by the heroism, uh, the commitment, the zeal, the fervor, but I think I, I, I think a lot of the figures in Acts were um, a bit distant from me, <clears throat> elevated from me, more refined than I am, more disciplined mm-hmm. than I am, more courageous than I am, more in tune with the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life than I am. And I, and I find myself now, the Lord really speaking to me through his word of the connectedness we share with the first Christians for new ways in daily living to be done repeatedly or regularly, confidently, smartly, smartly in terms of attentiveness to why I'm doing what I'm doing. And from that, these amazing fruits happen. Hmm. I mean, we read about all of these thousands of people in multiple testimonies coming to Christ from what those who had not known the Lord previously saw and encountered in those first Christians. Yeah. And it's, I, I think it's easy sometimes to read those stories and, and somewhat keep them at a distance from ourselves, you know, and, and I think I'm guessing that that's something that a, a lot of Christians experience that it's, oh, you know, that's them, uh, not me. That was then, not now. Um, I think you referenced it in one of our other shows about sometimes we think about the saints as being something different than we are. And so we can kind of keep um, that fruit, uh, the idea of that kind of fruit at an arm's length, when in reality, um, that's God's desire for all of us to be engaged in um, relationship with God and with one another and and in the world in these um in these ways. That's a, that's a wonderful reminder to me. I appreciate that, that sometimes there, it really is a temptation. If I understand it's a spiritual temptation to think that there are a privileged few who have received like this sixth sense, right? This supernatural sense (laughs) that I just simply didn't receive. And it also will then excuse me from having to commit. Isn't that tricky? It kind of let we let ourselves off the hook mm-hmm. because, well, I'm not I'm not like them, and so you know I can go about being how I am, staying how I am, and uh, it's a subtle, sneaky little lie, isn't it? It really is. Yes, 
So these new ways, and we have uh, we have both benefited from a new way of deep practice, which brings about an accelerated learning. And in in this way, learning that isn't so much between the years, but a learning that is an experiential phenomenon. It is concrete and practical in daily living. Uh, a learning that is an applied behavior for how I respond to challenges or obstacles that just simply pop up throughout the day. Yeah. You know, I had the opportunity to interview a number of pastors earlier this year, really just trying to get a clear understanding of the challenges um, that they were facing in their in their context. And so I, I spoke with both uh, men and women in pastoral ministry um, from a few different states, a little little variation in the size of their congregations as well. So, you know, some somewhat of a spectrum within the the 10 or so people that I spoke with. And almost all of them uh, at some point pointed out uh, this challenge that in trying to equip the people of God to actually learn how and know how to go to God in the middle of their lives uh, to face whatever struggles. So whether that's something like worry or anxiety or, or unforgiveness, you know, all these different challenges that we face. Uh, when I asked the pastors, you know, what is the challenge, the real challenge about, that you're facing as you try to do this equipping work? Almost all of them said they couldn't get people to show up because people's lives are so full. They're going in so many different directions um, whether it's caring for aging parents or caring for children, children's activities, trying to do your own exercise and self-care. Um, I mean, there's just so many variables that um, create a life that is pretty well maxed out. Yeah. And so into the midst of, of that scenario, pastors are trying to create opportunities for people to come and learn. And it doesn't fit. And people are not showing up or not very many, or if they do show up, they show up for a week and then it trails yeah. off and yeah. the whole effort falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. And discouragement sets in, I, I would imagine, as a, as a result of those pastors trying hard and nobody's interested, seemingly so. Right. <clears throat> and yes. as I started you know, digging in a little bit to their responses, it made me just think, you know, maybe on an intuitive level, people realize that showing up for something where I'm going to be talked at um, is not going to bring about the results that I'm hoping for. We've been there and done that, haven't we, our whole lives in, in, in a lot of our learning contexts. We are given a whole bunch of information. It's dumped on us. And then it, it doesn't go anywhere. And so faced with a life that's maxed out, when you're offering me an opportunity, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be one where you're dumping information on me, um, I'm, I'm not coming. I'm not going to show up for that. I'm going to go to the soccer practice. I'm going to go for the run after work. I'm going to do just about anything else besides give you my precious time um, for something that I'm pretty sure is not going to really bring about the kind of fruit that I, that I want. Yeah. Yeah. Myself as well. It needs to be valuable and impactful for me to be able to participate. And there are, 
have been many times in my own life where something is going to require so much time and so much commitment that I can't be a part of it. Yeah. And um, even when that something is church as it was presented to me at different times in my life, not appealing. Yeah. (laughs) And we know, don't we, that when something is very important to us, when it's valuable to us, we can still make time. Even in our maxed out lives, we can prioritize and make uh, whatever thing it is that we're wanting to work on, we can make room for it. So it's not that it can't be done. But as I listened to the pastors, they were struggling to find ways to engage their parishioners um, and even trying to remove as many obstacles as possible. So tell me the best time. Do you need childcare? I'll provide it. You know, tell me the best, you know, day. Um, I'll even, I'll have a meal for you. I will do everything I can to make it so easy for you to be there. And still the participation was very minimal. Yeah. Yeah. I've experienced it also with colleagues in ministry, the same struggles. It's a, it's, it's a common struggle for leaders in ministry. And towards that end, how do we, how do we allow creative genius to hatch the experience of growing in faith and hope and love and not be, as you mentioned earlier, kind of an information dump lecturing to however interesting some of that content may be when it is one-way communication and it doesn't it doesn't require of me doing whatever it is that is being discussed, how do I develop excellence in that? Yeah. This reminds me of one professor I had when I was working on my graduate studies. He was, he was just really something, I mean, very engaging. Um, And I, I would often reflect on the classroom setting with him where he was teaching us in a way that we didn't even realize he was teaching us. So he had a way of engaging us that we were so captivated by what was going on. We were having conversation. We were laughing. It was fun. And then class would be over and you're like, oh, oh my gosh, I had no idea we were even like learning anything. You know, so <laughs> as, as I got into pastoral ministry, then it was like, oh, I wonder if I could teach in a way that would, you know, create a similar experience for somebody that I'm trying to work with. And you know what, when you have so many other uh, concerns and, and and responsibilities uh, when you're being called as pastor to a church, and especially to a small church, oftentimes where you you are responsible for many roles, not just, you know, preaching, uh, but pastoral care and, hey, there's problems with the facility. And I mean, leadership, thing, I mean, just all the things, it, it can become... Um, so, I mean, the pastor's life is stretched to the max. Yeah. And so then you're asking me to be creative about how I teach and how I engage. I don't have time to figure that out. And so here's one more Bible study. Here's one more sermon where I'm giving you a lot of really good words, but that's where it ends. Along my journey, similarly, there have been some teachers and coaches and mentors who simply rise above the rest because of the influence that they've 
that they've had upon me, and that influence hasn't been from their intellectual acumen, as impressive as that may have been. It it came from an integration that that learning itself was it was a daily experience. It wasn't a dissemination of information. It was the fruits of their own learning were readily apparent in how they learned. As you mentioned, a joy in sharing whatever that topic may be, a demonstration that I could see and hear of the difference that the learning was making real time in their life and moving me as student or as athlete or learner to say, I I want that. I want to learn more about that. And the learning more wasn't so much the increase in in intellectual propriety, it was an experience of life and in spiritual aspects, entirely motivational to me. I, I, I saw Christianity lived in a particularly compelling way. And I have to say, having said that, I could probably count those mentors on two hands. Sadly, I know I've met a lot of I, I've been a student for many, but it's a privileged few that really radiate that kind of integration in their lives. Yeah. Well, and coming back to where we started uh, in your interaction in the book of Acts here recently and f- feeling more engaged. So, um, as I was saying, you know, it's easy for us to keep those stories at arm's length. Like that's, that's, for back then and not for me and thinking of then about in our, in our pastoral context, the way that we teach, the way that we share, the way that we equip our people um, in the midst of all the other responsibilities we have, you know, this is as good as I can do. I can um, dump some information at you, hopefully in a, in a really, really nice way. <laughs> that's compelling um, week in and week out. But beyond that, I can't, you know, that's, that's too much, you know, to invent a new way to come up with a new way to practice in a new way of, of teaching. It's too much. I, I don't have room to learn how to do that as well as for the people we're trying to teach, you know, that um, I don't have time to come for one, you know, so all these different elements that are at play um, right now in our world it just points me to the fact that we need to learn how to accelerate learning in our context. And, and it doesn't, when we think about learning a new skill, a new, even a new way of teaching or engaging people, don't we? I mean, we think like, oh my gosh, I, I don't have time to go back to school to, you know, learn. I don't have four more years for more schooling. I don't have, you know, whatever it is, a week to go away for this training. It just always, it always feels like, oh, these big chunks of time make it inaccessible for me. And so I'm just stuck where I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. And it's again, this, this kind of subtle lie. And so mm-hmm. what, what accelerated learning shows us is that in minutes, in, in focusing in a certain way for minutes a day, you can have Radical change. Yes. Yes, radical uh, from Roddix, the Latin root, fundamental, grounded, core of our being, change with lifetime effect. 
simple, but we have to give ourselves over to that, that practice, to that discipline, to that commitment. The struggle itself is what hatches the difference. And it's only a struggle when we commit to doing it. But the, the struggle is the, the wanting to channel out, the allowing other voices to be competing with the one voice where we're supposed to be focusing, you know, not listening to the coach as it were, but listening to others and being mediocre in our routine and in no time at all being unmotivated to continue. Oh, that word, mediocre. <laughs> being content with being mediocre. Ugh. Why do we settle for mediocre? Yeah. So, you know, in I, I just feel like this deep practice method of accelerating learning is such a win for for leaders, for pastors, because frankly, we are burdened and stretched thin in our professional, you know, roles that we're trying to fill. Um, but for the for the layperson, for the parishioner, you know, whose lives are jam packed full, and they want to engage in their church community and they want to engage in their faith in Christ and and go deeper and have that character transformation, becoming more and more like Jesus all the time. Uh, but in the midst of lives that are stretched so thin, I I hear them saying, you know, a lot of the the should language and 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 the weight of such guilt and shame, you know, that um, I'm not able to, and I'm trying, and and it's just that conflicted language of I know I should, but I also have to do this, and I can't, I just can't make it all fit, and so the deep practice method of accelerating learning really begins to make this character transformation into Christ-likeness much more accessible here and now. Oh, for sure. In in part by breaking it up into smaller segments, smaller logical segments that fit together perfectly, um, having a sense of the whole that, yes, this is, this is, this is why I'm doing it for this outcome and recognizing that if I can do these small little steps well and learn to do them repeatedly and reflexively. So I have to think about them less often because I'm integrating them into a reflex. So when something causes me worry and anxiety and fear, instead of trying to change my feeling, which is my natural response, there's a, there's a supernatural response that's been developed by practicing the Christian response to anxiety called relinquishment. And these short, simple biblical steps following that pathway and significantly reducing the worry that I feel. I, I appreciate that you um, pointed us in that direction. And it just makes me think of, um, you know, not that we're neuroscientists here, but we've we've done some some reading and research and we have some basic understanding of you know, how the brain creates these neural pathways. And, uh, you know, I always think about the bad habits in my life, right? <laughs> um, wow, those those are just so fast and easy, <laughs> not a thought. And there, there I am trudging down that well-worn path. And that's what it is. It's a well-worn path actually in our brain circuits, in, in, in those neural pathways. Um, we've sent so much traffic that it's now um, slick and fast and easy to go right down 
that pathway. And so when we're creating a new habit, uh, it's like forging a new pathway. So if I head out onto our property, you know, that has a bunch of, you know, trees and tall grasses. Um, When we first moved into our property, I mean, lots of brambles, I mean, thickets, Um, you couldn't get through. It took a sustained effort sending traffic to create a path. And now four years later, we have some marvelous paths in our property. (laughs) Um, But that at the beginning, I mean, it was it was slow going, you know, but, but by creating uh, the intention and, uh, and stepping forward with the, like you said, those little, those little chunks over and over you, you get a pathway that then now, now it's normal and natural for me in my life when I face warrior fear to go to God and practice relinquishment. Well, I, I look forward to continuing this conversation and talking about how we might be able to uh, experience success in some in creating some of these new ways of daily living. Me too. <laughs> Thanks so much, Father Dave. And thank you, Becky and listeners. Delighted to have you join in the continuing conversation that is uniquely ours. If you want to find out more about the fundamentals of accelerated learning and how it can begin to impact discipleship efforts in your setting, head on over to our show notes at deeppracticepodcast.com. You can grab the Deep Practice Cheat Sheet there. In the next episode, Father Dave and I will explore how we often get stuck in the comfort of what is familiar. Even when it's not beneficial or fruitful, sometimes our addiction to the familiar becomes something like a hidden obstacle, keeping us from seeing the possibility that things can actually be different. Subscribe now so you don't miss it. And thanks again for joining us here on the show today. The Deep Practice Podcast is a production of Go and Do Discipleship. To find out more about who we are, find us at www.deeppracticepodcast.com. See you soon.